you've discovered TalkZone.com. TalkZone.com, the best in Internet talk radio. TalkZone.com. And we're back. And thank you for staying with us. And the phone lines are open, 1-800-336-2225. Anybody calling in, we will send out on Monday a free Wisdom Toning Series Meditation CD to you to help you move along in your life. Meditation information. (laughs) These are available on our website as well, MasteringOurselves.com, along with the book, Steps to Enlightenment. And if you buy all four pieces, there's a 20% discount. And we would love to hear from you folks what you think of the show, how it's helped you in your life, any questions you might have that you'd like to hear answered on air. And the email is ambers at masteringourselves.com. We are talking, continuing to talk today, uh, this hour of the show, about not only the unique uh uh, properties of different various animals and the brilliance of God and the bioengineers who created these animals, but also what happens to animals after they die. And also I think we would like to get into uh, what it's like to be around, um, you know, during your death review, like after you've died and you go in to review your life, what is that like? So why don't you give us another one, Keith? Okay, this is out of the book. The Book of Animal Ignorance. And, you know, I think they call it the Book of Animal Ignorance is because we think animals are animals and don't have much more thought of it. And so we're sort of ignorant about what's really going on and how many amazing things there is about animals. Animals are brilliant. So we were in the middle of cows. Livestock farming in general creates 18% of all man-made greenhouse gases, more than all the cars and other forms of transportation on Earth. Cows produce one pound of methane for every two pounds of meat they yield. To make one pound of beef requires 1,300 square feet, usually, of land, six times uh, the amount equivalent for the weight of eggs, 40 times the amount to grow um, a pound of potatoes. So it takes a lot of land for meat and uh, does a lot of greenhouse gases. On the other hand... Cows have many uses beyond the obvious, as well as helping us tame disease through vaccinations. Avaca of vaccinations is Latin for cow, by the way. Cows have been put put their whole bodies to use for disposal. Uh, here's a few of the ways that they're used. Anticoagulants, cosmetics, pharmaceuticals, drugs for arthritis, glue, fertilizer, Foam for fire extinguishers. Brake fluid is from their bones. Sweden even has cow-powered trains that run on methane. <laughs> now they're smart. Yeah. So what happens to people who mistreat animals? I guess we sort of answered that in part last show, but let's just do it again. We knew a lady one time. Well, we read about a lady and then Keith tuned in on her, but she had mistreated a animal um, many, many... She, she had a horse, uh, a horse that she just whipped, a donkey horse. She just donkey. whipped and whipped and whipped, pulling her cart. And uh, she was immersiful, yep. unmerciful. So in this lifetime, she was um, on on the opposite pendulum of being that horrible person who was cruel. So she was like perpetually nice. So everybody She thought, couldn't say no. 
Right. She thought, everybody thought she was just a sweetheart. They called her an angel. Yes, they did. But then nobody realized that underneath that, that that angel was the pendulum swing from the cruel person she'd been before. And so in this pendulum swing, she was actually paying karma for how she had abused this animal. Then one day in the neighborhood, there was this um, problem because these neighbors down the street had pit bulls that they let run the street and terrorize people. So the guides one day, uh, the guides of this whole street, of all the people on the street, they came together and they asked the question, who has the karma on this street that would allow them to be mauled to death by these animals so that we can bring to task these people that own these dogs? You know, the people who own the dogs, sort of they knew what was going on. They did not take care of it. And they sort of got a high of the power that they gained from being uh, in control of that and how it made other people be scared. They got a high off of that, which is not healthy hearts. It really isn't. Sickos. So this lady who was an angel who was actually in a lifetime pendulum swing from being very cruel, and of course most people don't know to look underneath to find out why somebody is being such an angel, her guides and higher self said, we'll do it. We have karma for treating this animal so poorly in our past life that if we would endure the five to ten minutes of awful uh, being mauled to death by these dogs, it would finish our karma off. We would like that. We would like to leave this lifetime with that karma clean. Clean slate. And a lot, so, a lot of times we come into a life and we have an agenda. We want to clear this whole segment of karma so we can start a fresh new world. You know, and we human beings don't always understand these other dynamics that are going on. We we just think, well, she's such an angel. This is a horrible thing to have happened to such an angel. And we don't understand what is going on underneath. So the guides set the circumstances up. This woman got attacked and mauled to death by these terrible dogs. And finally, these people were brought to bear to task that they were not uh, treating their animals properly by letting them be out and terrorize other people, and they had to be held accountable for that action. So what happens to people when they mistreat animals? Karma happens one way or the other, whether it's this lifetime or next time, and it usually isn't any fun. We all, folks, must learn how to treat all of God's creation with respect and honor. If you'd like to call in for a healing, uh, we're at 1-800-336-2225. Anybody calling in will get a free Wisdom Toning Series meditation CD. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts helping humanity wake up one show at a time. We'd love to hear from you with your questions or comments about the show. You can reach us at ambers at MasteringOurselves.com You know, talking about um, a lot of times we have an agenda to clear a slate before we go on to another lifetime. Uh, one time I had a um, client and uh, she fi- found her way to me and we helped her through uh, healing work that uh, I do and with these guides that work with me. And um, 
she had really bad scoliosis, and she always had this beaming smile, always just pleasant and loving, like this lady we're talking about. But, you know, when we got into the inner levels, I could see that it was hiding her um, traumas that was going on inside of her. And so we got under the layers going on inside of herself, and she was severely beaten um, and physically and verbally abused by her husband constantly. So we were working with her self-work. We got into some of the reasons why her karma was that way, how to forgive and how to have self-worth no matter how he was treating her. So she began to stand up to him. And I, I took a trip. I came back and one of our friends, mutual friends of her and mine, told me that you know, they, they, they were looking sort of strange. They looked me in the eye and they says, um, whatever her name was, he said, she died. She got run over by a truck. It was instant. She was on a bike. And I just didn't expect that because she had just gotten past her husband's abuse. You know, she got to where it didn't matter. She was leaving him. Uh, he could do, you know, we went through a few rounds where things happened and it didn't matter. And finally, the husband was giving up because he couldn't get her scared. He couldn't get her low self-worth going crazy. And he couldn't cower her. So she was passing the test, and uh, I was up in a windowsill on a half, it was suburban, uh, of, a, of a city, and I was going, God, why did this happen? She just got her life finally, out of all of her life, miserable childhood, miserable marriage, she just got her life, why would she die? And then uh, there was just right in front of me out in the field, these two pheasants, a father and a son, male pheasants. And the father was teaching the son to fight. And clear in my mind came from the guides. He says, you taught her how to fight and stand up for herself, stand up for her self-worth. And so because she learned that and got her self-worth, owned her karma, and turned this, now it's time to have a beautiful, pristine, wonderful life without, without this handicap on her. So, you know, it was very obvious she was heading towards a wonderful life off of finally turning the corner on these lessons. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts. If you'd like to call in for a reading, we're at 1-800-336-2225. Those that call in will get a free meditation CD wisdom toning series sent to them. What's the next animal? The crane. Oh, good. You know, crane, I've noticed in a number of uh, countries and uh, natives in different areas, they have great respect for the crane. And let me read you some of the things about them. This is from the book of Animal Ignorance. Cranes are record breakers. Uh, they're direct descendants of the earliest known birds whose fossils date back more than 55 million years ago. The sandhill crane holds the record for the longest surviving species of birds. Nine million year old leg bones have been found in Nebraska, which were indistinguishable from modern uh, sandhill cranes. You and I drove through in that motorhome, we drove through North Carolina, no, no, North Dakota, and we saw this whole group of these big brown cranes off to the side, to the right side of the car. You remember that? Nope. It was it was just amazing. We go, what are those? They look like birds. No, there's no birds that big. 
And, you know, they were about like uh, 300, mi- 300 yards off the road. We could hardly believe what we were looking at. The oldest recorded bird with a, was a Siberian crane called Wolf, who died in 1988, age 83, at the Wisconsin International Crane Center. Um, there's a six-foot-tall Ceres crane, uh, the tallest flying bird, uh, and the Eurasian crane flies higher than any other, reaching 32,000 feet. At that attitude, altitude, they're invisible from the ground, but are so loud they can be heard. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? So uh, Hermes was inspired to invent writing by the letter shapes of the flying cranes in the sky. Uh, cranes spend years raising their children. They have long memories and complex communication systems using more than 90 physical gestures and sounds. That's a big alpha. We have 26 letters in our alphabet. <laughs> you know, I remember the other day I heard somebody say that uh, human beings are the only ones that remember the past. And I go, how stupid. Cranes, elephants. Cra- elephants. They've, they've watched elephants who haven't seen somebody that cared for them for 30 years. And they meet up with them again and they remember. And they remember somebody who's abused them years ago. Well, and they come seen, back you've again. You've seen puppies and um, parrots. They'll remember the the sex of the the type of person that kicked them one time or something. Yep, so absolutely. That, that's memory. Yep. Hey, you're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts with sound answers to life's tough questions. Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. If you'd like to call in for a healing reading, 1-800-336-2225. We'd love to hear from you at ambers at masteringourselves.com. And check out our website, masteringourselves.com. We will be right back. 1-800-336-2225. 1-800-336-2225. Those that call in get a free Wisdom Toning Series meditation CDs that are available at our website, MasteringOurselves.com. They say that cranes are the world's best dancers, the avian world's best dancers. Really? Yeah. That's amazing because they're some pretty cool dancing birds. Yeah, they really are. Seahorses uh, dance too. Thank you. <laughs> keep keep focused. <laughs> Focus. <laughs> there is evidence for uh, imitative human crane dances from as early as 7,000 BC in ancient China and Japan. Uh, the shamans of Siberia, uh, Siberia, the uh, Batwa pygmies of Africa, uh, they all use crane dance in their rituals. Cranes have also left traces of their language. <clears throat> this is interesting. Cranberries, crane, cranberries, are named after them for this uh, similarity between the stamen of the plant and the bird's bill. The word, the, the word geranium, is from geranos, Greek for crane. Its seed pods re- re- represent the or resemble the bird's noble head. And pedigree comes from the French phrase pedigree, foot of crane, as family trees look a little bit like bird's feet. The crane, the, the big crane horn, what they call it, the, the sound of the crane, it travels more than three miles. Wow. That's a big, loud sound. 
Cranes are one of the loudest of all birds, and in most cultures, they are named for their distinctive calls, you know, like whooping cranes. Yep. Whoop. <laughs> Thank you, dear. Very good. Yes, very good. Good example. Uh, the windpipe is very long and coils under their breast like tuba. You know, you've seen a chicken or a turkey, and their uh, windpipe just goes right into their lungs. And it, but in the crane, it goes in their chest cavity and winds all over the place before it gets to their lungs. Uh, it's just amazing to me. It's just a big, huge, long tube. So uh, it's attached to the breastbone, and by a series of thin plates, it makes like a bridge uh, to the violin. And the plates vibrate and amplify the sound. So that's how you get such an outstanding, loud, booming sound out of these cranes. Three miles away, you can hear them. So here's another question. If an animal has had a long illness, do they carry over the memory of their pain? And if so, what kind of care do they receive? Well, I would ask you the same question. If a human being has a long illness... And they carry that over, do they carry that memory over and the pain over? And if so, what kind of care do they receive? Pretty simple. It is. There is no separation between what's happening with humans and animals. And what does happen on the other side is a couple of things. You know, when you die, you suddenly get a broader understanding of the whys and wherefores of what it is that you've done what uh, what it is that you've done in the past to earn you these difficult, painful illnesses and what lessons you were learning. Like here, we have access to that if we work on it. If we work on you know, people like Keith and other people like him that have an ability to say, well, why you have this illness is because of this that you did in the past and the lesson that you're trying to learn. Other people know how to do that as well. The difference is is that when you die, everybody has that uh, information available instantly. And so suddenly now you go, oh, you mean I had cancer because I was hating somebody my whole life? I got it. And then you go, well, then what do I need to do about this hate problem that I have? And, and how do I learn how to change that behavior? See, all of a sudden when you die, animals, humans alike, get this deeper understanding of the whys and wherefores. And I'll tell you something, folks. When you start going, you mean my hating my mother, my whoever. Righteously. Right. All of my life is what gave me cancer. Yes. Bad payoff. (laughs) That wasn't worth it. I thought I had a good position there. (laughs) And on top of that... You hated your mother for doing this thing to you over here? Yes. Well, she was supposed to do that to you because, see, over here, you did that to somebody else, and it was her job to show you that. All of a sudden, all of your righteousness loses all of the wind out of the sails, and you get frumped to a, a, a frump, and you go, oh, my God, that was supposed to happen, and I spent all that energy hating them only to get cancer. And all that awareness comes to you, and then you're able to move forward with more grace and ease. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber. We welcome your phone calls, 1-800-336-2225. We also welcome your emails. We'd love to hear from you. Ambers at MasteringOurselves.com. We'll be right back. 
I'll tell you, Keith is being entirely too grounded over here. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you want to call in, the number is 1-800-336-2225. And we'd also love to hear from you on email. We'd like to hear what you think of the show. Any questions you might have for us to answer on the show, the uh, email is ambers at masteringourselves.com. Uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross did some amazing, wonderful work with regards to death and dying. She's I, I famous think, for it. Yeah, I think she did a really good job. And I want to read this little segment to you about what happens when you die. She actually talks about three different stages. And tonight we're not going to go into all three. We're only going to go into the final third stage. Those of you that saw um, Defending Your Life with Merle Streep and Mel Brooks will... Uh, recognize this as being um, what they went through was the third stage. Wasn't it Albert Brooks or? Yes. Okay. Thank you. That's good. <laughs> so this, uh, you know, they made kind of fun about it, but actually it's pretty accurate in a lot of ways. So here's what she says. In this light, in the presence of God, Christ, or whatever you want to name it, you have to look back on your entire life from the first day until the last. With with this viewing of your own life, uh, you have reached the third stage. On this level, you are no longer in possession of consciousness from the first stage or the awareness from the second. You are now in possession of knowledge. Remember before the break, I said that when you die, you suddenly become aware of, oh, I had cancer because... You know, I was mad at my mother all these years, and actually my mother was supposed to do that to yeah. me because of my lessons. So you become aware of this knowledge. If your mother didn't do it to you, somebody, somebody else, else would, would have. fill those shoes yep. and do that exact uh, part of the play for your experience. Right, and we have veils up between us and those that knowledge because it's our challenge to get over the anger, get over the upset, and grow, like grow up. So now, after we die, we are in possession of this knowledge. You know in minute detail every thought you had at any time during your life on earth. You will remember every deed and know every word that you ever spoke. This recapitulation Recapitulation. Thank you. is only a very small part of your knowing because at this moment you know all the consequences resulting from your thoughts and from every one of your words and deeds. During this review of your earthly life, you will not blame God for your fate, but you will know that you yourself were your own worst enemy since you are now accusing yourself of having neglected so many opportunities to grow. Just like we were saying, angry at your mom causes you to get cancer, but in fact, your mother was giving you the experience you needed to have. Now you know that long ago when your house burned down, when your child died, when your husband hurt himself, or when you yourself suffered a heart attack, all fatal blows were merely some of the many possibilities for you to grow. To grow in understanding, to grow in love, to grow in all those things which we still have to learn. And instead of using those opportunities wisely, you will repent now. With every blow, I became more and more embittered in in such a way that my rage and my negativity grew. 
So when you start to realize that every moment in your life is intentional and for a reason, then all of a sudden we start losing all of our anger and bitterness and start understanding that these are all lessons for us here to grow. Part of all this is how we treat our animals. There's no leeway there at all. We must treat all of God's creation with honor and respect. That's right. It's all part of God. So you disrespect God, you know, even uh, throwing trash out the side of a highway with no respect for the uh, ambiance or the beauty or where the trash should go that's most appropriate, that has a, a portion of karma. You know, uh, we used to live on Maui, and uh, they had this great program on Maui. Uh, if you saw somebody throw out a cigarette butt, you could take down their driver's license or their license plate <laughs> and record the day and the time and the location and send it into these people. And they sent a letter out to that person, which they had access to because of the license plate. And they said, on this date, at this location, you were seen throwing a cigarette butt out under the street, and we would appreciate it if you'd stop doing that. So please get your butt out there and get, get, get it I'd cleaned up. I love that. And, you know, the thing that finally occurred to me is when people have so little respect for their own body that they would smoke, they have, you know, also so little respect for earth that they would throw their butts out. I knew this one pig-headed young lady, this gal, who smoked. She doesn't anymore, but she did at the time. And, you know... She said, well, they say that cigarette butts don't break down, but I didn't believe it. She was just a pig-headed little <laughs> thing. So she said, I went and tested it, and you know what? They don't break down. So now that I know that they don't break down, I'm not going to throw them out anymore. You know, when you're free to choose your own life and everything, but you don't use that freedom in your life well, they call it freedom. <laughs> You're listening. Thank you, Keith. You're listening to <laughs> Ma- Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts with sound answers to life's tough questions. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. 1-800-336-2225. If you call in for a reading, we'll give out, we're giving out a free Wisdom Toning Series CD I think after meditation that, not CD. Call. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to catch us Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific. 10 p.m. Eastern right here on CRN. I'm going to say one more thing, and then you got another animal Yeah, already. I got okay. one lined up. Okay, so here, um, here's what I want to do. I want to let you know that when you're in this review, the you and your guides around you also look at your underlying intent. This is really important. This means that when you go to the homeless shelter to help feed people, and you're doing it so that everybody will see that you're doing it, you don't get many points. When you go to the homeless shelter and you hide back in the kitchen and you make all this food and nobody even knows you're there, then you get points. When you go to the homeless shelter and you tell everybody, yeah, I went over to feed the poor people today, and you tell everybody that will listen, you don't get points. But when you go and do it and nobody even knows you did it, you just have that warm feeling inside yourself that you've actually helped somebody, then you get points. And here's another one to help you to understand underlying intent. There was this guy who really, really loved his dog. It was a wonderful dog. 
and the dog was outside in the yard, and all of a sudden the guy heard this this car screeching its tires. He heard this yelp, which he knew was his dog. He grabbed his uh, shotgun and went out to the yard, and he saw his dog lying there on the street terribly, terribly hurt. If he would have picked and shot that dog immediately, thinking, you know what, he's only going to suffer, I'm going to take him out of his misery, you would have killed the dog and taken him out of his misery and moved on. But what if he paused for just a moment and said, you know what, the dog might make it, but I don't feel like putting my energy into what it's going to take to save the dog. It's going to take a lot of time and energy and nursing, and I don't feel like it, so I'm going to shoot the dog. And he shoots the dog. Suddenly, he's gone from compassion to selfish. Compassion to selfish. Compassion, I'm going to take the dog out of his misery with no thought of himself. Selfish because suddenly now it's too much work for me to save him. Underlying intent. When you're in this review that you go into after you die, your underlying intent intent is a dominant feature. It's going to way make a difference. Well, yes, we see that you went to the homeless shelter all the time, but we also noticed that you bragged about it everybody everywhere and everybody stroked you for it. So really you weren't doing something to help others. You were really doing something to get ego stroked yourself. What is your underlying intent? And when you're in that life review, whatever your underlying intent is going to be loud and clear on the screen and you were going to know whether or not you were doing something selfish or selfless. So you want to notice, folks, on a daily basis, what your underlying intent is in all areas of your life, because indeed, you will be answering for that at some time in the future. So our next animal out of the book of animal ignorance is the FUSA. Boy becomes like girl that. becomes boy. Yeah, I like that. Uh, that animal is really cool. So th- this is an unusual animal. I-, I don't recall hearing of it before. I'm sure I have, though. But it seems like in intelligent design, the uh, biological engineers for the species and animals on Earth uh, was experimenting. You know, like the Tasmanian, what is it, the tiger, yeah. Tasmanian wolf? No, devil, wolf? devil, Tasmanian okay. devil. It's like a combination of different animals? Yes. Well, this FUSA it seems to be the same thing. Um, is only found in Madagascar, where it is the top carnival, carnivore. It's I like carnival better. Yeah, it's <laughs> more celebration on. kind of thing. Yeah. It's the size of a spaniel, a cocker spaniel. Looks like a big cat, but is distinctly uh, related to the mongoose. So you got that combination going on. Imagine a cross between a puma and a giant otter that leaps through the branches like a squirrel, and you're close. You know, it's like, whoa, what's that? So that's what Didn't you call... did we see him on um, a nature movie yeah, once? Yeah, I think Didn't we, we did. we see this animal? But, you know, these are pretty big. Anyhow, uh, let's see. Uh, young females grow genitals just like the male until they're four years old and they're ready to have babies. So I think they mock them... Um, so they look like males, uh, maybe keep the boys away until they're ready to mate. Yes. So Smart. it looks just like the male genitals, and then all that shrinks away and all the female matures. Isn't that something? 
That is. Nature's so, smart. Yeah. So uh, Madagascar, which is three times the size of the British Isles, separated from the mainland of Africa more than uh, 165 million years ago, and four-fifths of its plants and animals are found there and nowhere else. And you and I, you know, the crystal shop we used to get, we used to get some unusual and extraordinary things from Madagascar. Yes, we did. So, this is really interesting. Uh, dog, cat, mangoose that lives in a tree. This is what this animal's combination of. So, once again, like the Tasmanian devil, we're thinking this was like an experiment. Mm-hmm. See what these things do. It has a canine nostril pad. It has feline long whiskers for night hunting. It has canine and feline long sharp teeth. Feline retractable claws. Walks on the soles of its feet like mongoose. Um, or the tiptoes sometimes like cats and dogs. It can do it either way. Has a three foot tail for balance like a cat. Has anal scent glands like the mongoose. And that's just in one animal, the fusa. So that's, uh, that's that one. Oh, there's one more thing here. Since it arrived, uh, well, its biggest threat, the fusa's biggest threat, um, happened 150 years ago when humans arrived on Madagascar and cleared from then to now 95% of the force that covered the island. You know, that's a gross species. What is that again? The humans. Yeah, gross. I tell you, species. we are. Cleared 95% of the island. I know. Isn't we that are, just gross? We are utterly you know, gross. it's so bad there that they have tragic um, erosion of, of, of the land when it rains. Just tragic. It just, the whole thing's washing away because gross man just stripped it. You know, it's like, um, it's like raping. Yes. You just take all the good out of it and you do it the wrong way. You don't mm-hmm. replant. You don't care. You're just taking it for yourself. This is gross. But see, what species? Mankind. Jeez, let's get with yeah, it. Yeah, and we're the ones that think that we're so smart. We're smarter and superior. Yeah, we're the evolved. <laughs> <laughs> we missed the boat, folks. You want me to do another one? I really do. Well, the fox. This is the red fox is easily, easily the most widespread and abundant wild carnivore on Earth. Foxes are astonishingly astonishingly adaptable and are found almost everywhere in the world from deserts to the Arctic Circle. Uh, Fox is in no danger of being persecuted out of existence. It is the ultimate opportunist and has learned to live alongside humans without sacrificing any of its, its feral integrity. So it's wild and it coexists with humans. The count of surviving cubs each year is almost identical to the number of deaths. So the foxes calculate how many animals to have according to what the environment uh, will will handle. Smart. Uh, Humans haven't even figured that out. That's right. That's right. We're way overpopulated. We're way overpopulated. One of the most serious problems of our world right now is overpopulation. We're just uh, making the whole system stagger. And that's really true. Plus a gross consciousness. I believe our gross consciousness is throwing off the core. What's they call the core of the earth? The core, the magnetic core of the earth. And you know what the magnetic core of the earth will interfere with? 
the Arctic, Arctic Ocean, Arctic Sea it will melt that if it's thrown off balance. And what throws that off balance? Electromagnetic energy. And what has a lot to do with that besides solar is the consciousness of mankind. When you have overpopulation, you have maybe three, four, five, six times the consciousness. And if it was in harmony with nature, that would be fine. But our consciousness is running in so many directions. It's got the magnetic core and balance of the earth wobbling and off balance, which throws the um, the uh, poles. Pole, the poles, both the poles, it throws both the poles off balance. And that's where the main global warming problem is happening. <laughs> it's not happening in all these freezing places that are getting record colds and record storms. It's happening mostly in the poles. Michael Moore, find a new profession. <laughs> You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts with sound answers to life stuff questions. Monday through Saturday, love to have you join us, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN, and we will come back and finish up the Fox, right? Yep. Okay, we'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves. We're reading out of the book today, the, An- the Book of Animal Ignorance. Great book. So we're talking about the fox. Foxes are mostly suburban. Now, this book is from uh, England and Europe area. And? Mostly suburban. They don't like uh, city centers, but prefer areas of low-density, semi-detached housing with big gardens, which uh, is why Britain has so many. North America has uh, raccoons more. Ah. Remember those lovely raccoons we oh, had? Oh, man, they were so, so great. Soft hands. Yes. They were eating, wild raccoons eating out of our hands. They were feeding their little, after a while they brought their babies up little because munchkins. they trusted. Oh, God, they were so cute. Sweet. See the mama and then all these little pitter-patters behind her. Oh. <laughs> Foxes will eat, eat literally almost anything. It's what makes them so successful. Their regular diet includes earthworms, insects, moth larvae, pigeons, rodents, beetles, and plenty of fruits and vegetables. In the autumn, they can practically live on apples, blackberries, and rose hips. They don't hunt in packs or kill cats. Foxes live in small family groups but always hunt alone. They would never attack a domestic cat or dog unless cornered, nor do they massacre chickens for fun. Foxes are catch hunters. They will take as many animals as they can and they will bury the carcasses one by one in a larder for later. The reason they leave dead chickens behind in the coop is that they are disturbed in one of their many trips to and from the larder and uh, they they leave them so they're not caught. So they're not ones that leave uh, animals and, and, and prey that they've killed behind unless Somebody comes and they're disturbed in the middle of it. Um, their indispensable role as rodent killers in a number of countries. Even the deeply annoying habit of digging up lawns on sports fields is entirely, entirely understandable uh, because they mistake the smell of blood and bone fertilizer on the grass for dead meat and try to uncover it, uh, non-existing corpse. You know, they're just digging right. and digging because of the fertilizer. On the other hand, don't encourage them to nest under your house. 
At night, the noise of the cubs uh, screaming as they fight and play is indescribable. Uh, that must be cute if you can get away from it, yes. you know? Almost as bad as the smell of carrion, urine, and feces, the latter will be uh, cheerfully disposed of as a mark on the shoes uh, of children's and children's toys if you leave any of them outside. They enjoy chewing through electrical and phone wires and gas and water pipes. Wow. That sounds like ferrets, too. Yes. Uh, urban foxes can easily become tame, even allowing themselves to be fed from the hand and stroked like a pet. Uh, this latent tameness was selectively bred in the famous Russian experiment begun in 1959. Within 20 years... The foxes had all lost their fear of humans, wagging their tails and developing floppy ears, black and white fur. Uh, they became, in effect, dogs. Isn't that something? Yeah. They're I smart, smart. That. Yeah. So actually, I, I would like. I had a friend who got a fox. He was sort of a wild friend, and the fox bit him and bit him and bit him, and finally, the fox got away. <laughs> he bought it from a zoo, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, you, there. It sounds like there are many animals that could probably be pets if you wanted them to be. If you wanted to take the time to do it. Yeah. Hey, folks, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Again, we'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, or questions. Uh, send them to Amber's at MasteringOurselves.com. We'd love to be here with you. Uh, in fact, thank you for opening your hearts and your minds to us. Now, come on. You can do it. Stretch into. The greater you. Lots of love. We'll see you on Monday.